Welcome to Next Up, a Mid-Century Homes production, where we highlight the people, the places, and the work of folks that are making an impact in the world of mid-century design and architecture. And when we are not conducting interviews for this podcast, we are making mid-century dreams come true in Boise, Idaho. You can find out more about the work we do online at mid-centuryhomes.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Boise Mid-Century Homes. Hey there, this is TJ with Mid-Century Homes. On today's podcast, we have Megan Duvall, the Historic Preservation Officer of Spokane, Washington. She holds an undergraduate degree in fine arts from Washington State University and a master's degree in historic preservation from Savannah College of the Art and Design in Atlanta. Prior to her current role, which she has had since 2014, she also worked at the Washington State Department of Archaeology and Historic Preservation, where she was a certified local government coordinator and also ran the statewide survey and inventory program. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing with Megan a project that she helped the city of Spokane manage through grant work, which allowed the city to begin documenting some of their most significant mid-century works of architecture. You can find out more about the work that they did at www.midcenturyspokane.org. And before we talk with Megan, here's a quick word from our sponsor. All right, well, let's jump right in. Hey, tell us your name and tell us a little bit more about what you've spent the majority of your career doing. Sure. Well, thanks first, uh, TJ, for having me on. Um, This is a a real honor. My name is Megan Duvall, and I am the Historic Preservation Officer in Spokane, Washington. I'm actually the City Preservation Officer as well as unincorporated Spokane County, so we cover a lot of territory. Um, The majority of my career has really been in historic preservation. I um, was an undergraduate. My fine arts degree wasn't going to get me very far, so I had to go back and get a graduate degree which I uh, ended up with a degree in historic preservation from the Savannah College of Art and Design um, from 1998. Okay. Uh, first job was um, I was a Main Street manager, which was basically like downtown revitalization stuff in a little town called Enumclaw, Washington, in mm-hmm. western Washington. And I did that for almost two years and then worked at the uh, Department of Archaeology and Historic Preservation in Olympia, for uh, state preservation office, basically, working with local governments around the state and also dealing with uh, our historic inventory program for the the state of Washington. So, um, and then got this job in Spokane about almost five years ago. So I've been the historic preservation officer here since 2014. Okay, very cool. Was there someone in your role prior to you being there? In Spokane, yeah, absolutely, actually. Everywhere except Enumclaw. I was the I was their first executive director, which was really scary for being yeah. you know, 28 years old and <laughs> trying uh-huh. to figure out what the heck I was supposed to do, starting a job with no computer, no office, nothing, just a board of directors <laughs> who are happy to have me on board. And I, I my my motto began there: "Fake it till you make it." So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so so I did have um, somebody in Spokane that was uh, here. We have we actually had a historic preservation officer since the early 1980s in Spokane. So. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Long and how long have you lived in Spokane? So I'm actually from Spokane. I grew up okay. here. Um, 
And I left. I was one of those kind of 80s flight kids who said, man, I can't wait to get out of this town. I'm never coming back. And um, so I left in, in 1988 and went to college and, and then, you know, just lived other places and really never lived in Spokane as an adult until coming back in 2014. So okay. it's been a great experience, though. Great, yeah. great place to be. Yeah. It's always fun when, you know, folks in their adult life come back to the places that they, you know, grew up. <laughs> and thought they hated, yes. And, yeah, and exactly. all the cages, you know, yeah, yeah. Right. And my, yeah. My, my folks always lived here, and I always had lots of family, but I, I didn't really come back as a resident um, to Spokane. You know, I just would come for a weekend here or there. So it's, it's, been, right. a, it's been great. Yeah, that's cool. And um, and you said your your title with the city is Historic Preservation Officer, correct? I am. I don't carry a badge and a gun, though. Okay, well, that's good. But, <laughs> Although my understanding is an old historic preservation officer at one point did want to have a badge and a gun, so it's not out of the realm of possibilities. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Tell uh, the listening audience, for those that don't know what the responsibilities of that role entail, what, what does that look like? What does a day in the life of someone that does the work that you do consist of? Yeah, I think a lot of people that call me don't really know exactly what it is I do right. either because I get all kinds yeah. of random things. Um, most of what I do is deal with um, the Spokane Register of Historic Places, which is our local um, register for listing important buildings in Spokane and in the county. So mm -hmm. along with that, we get nominations to that register, so I edit and, and work on those, those all the time. But we also have design review of listed properties in Spokane, and right now we have over 400 individually listed uh, properties that we do design review of when changes are proposed, um, as well as we are in the middle of a voting period for our very first really large-scale historic district, which could add another 300 properties. Um, wow. And that ends in, in August. So that's yeah, that's been a huge initiative for us um, in Spokane is to have these big historic districts. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, beyond that, we also offer incentives to property owners who improve historic properties, but Probably, you know, some days I push a lot of paper and other days I get to go out and um, visit historic homes and historic buildings and get to go in places that no one else gets to go. And I say, those are the days when I, I can't believe that they pay me to do this job. But yeah. there, are other, there, are, there are lots of other days where I say they don't pay me enough to do this job. So it's not always, you know, it's not always frosting. So. Yeah, totally. It keeps you going, though. Right. And, uh, and I, I think the other thing I want to try to touch on here is, you know, what does the mid-century scene look like in Spokane? So, you know, for those who have never been there, um, you know, the, the short order of investigation research I did uh, revealed to me that you have over 18,000 properties in the Spokane area of homes that have been built in the 50s and 60s. If somebody's trying to figure out, you know, what those 18,000, where they're located, what they look like. Is there a good enthusiast group there? Like is the term mid-century something that, you know, or, or even modernist architecture, something that your locals have a pretty good understanding of and celebrate? I mean, tell us a little bit more about how the community responds to the, or, or interacts with that era of architecture. You know, it's kind of interesting because I, I actually didn't know. With your with your little bit of information, you just gave me a piece of information. So I wouldn't have been able to tell you how many buildings um, were built mm -hmm. in that era. Um, but I would say that it's it's growing. It's it's a growing um, 
interest. It's a growing uh, recognition of mid-century stuff in Spokane. We, mm-hmm. you know, we don't. I, there's not like a group that's that's specific to um, Eastern Washington. We do have uh, the the Doko Momo Wiwa, which is uh, documentation of the modern movement in Western yep. Washington. We need an Iwa, I think, over yeah. here, and and some folks to get that going. I think what I would say is we've got. Um, a lot of our architecture firms and sort of our design firms in town seem to have this real mid-century aesthetic, but okay. um, and 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 our young architects live in mid-century homes. You know, they're building things that kind of look like these clean lines and um, you know the modern material or, or local materials and those kinds of things. But it's it's interesting that they're choosing it seems to live in these mid-century homes that were actually these architect-designed um, mid-century homes that are that are that authentic mid-century stuff. And I think the other thing I would say about um, about Spokane and just the mid-century movement that we have going uh, now is the city is really trying to attract. You know, they're 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 basically doing this marketing campaign all along western washington the i-5 corridor down to portland saying hey you know what yeah i know we understand you can't afford to buy a house in seattle or portland or even anywhere close by in spokane you can buy a house and you can still afford to have a cabin at the lake too and by Mm -hmm. the way there's no traffic and all these other things and one of the things that i talked with uh the mayor's office about when they were putting this campaign together um, the campaign's called Hacking Washington, by the way. Very clever. You know, ways to hack Washington State. Um, come to Spokane and you can hack Washington all day. Um, okay. Is, yeah, is that, you know, I said, hey, if we're trying to attract young young folks to move here and buy their first house because they can't afford, you know, to barely even live in rent rent places in these big cities on the coast, mm-hmm. is let's let's target that mid-century enthusiast, let, that, that hip, hip, younger millennial who's looking for something that's not huge, but that's got that authenticity, it's in a great neighborhood, they can afford it. Um, and so we actually used, I think, a, a mid-century house as an example, uh, rather than picking one of our really classic 1910, 1920s bungalows, of which we have tons of too. Um, right. But, you know, so, so we're trying to sort of um, tap into that interest, and I think that people in Spokane are starting to get it. Mhm. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so the project that caught my attention was SpokaneMidCentury.org. Did I say that right? Uh, actually, it's MidCenturySpokane.org. Thank you, though. That's I just right. wrote that down, yeah. so that's why I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so on that site, tell me a little bit more about what I'll find by visiting that site. Sure. Well, so what what that site does is it basically um, it spells out really what we have. Um, this is a very first um, first scratch at you know at this project uh, and to look at what we have in Spokane in terms of mid century. This is really the picking kind of the a wide swath of Spokane looking at the entire city and and looking at institutional buildings, looking at commercial buildings, and looking at residential. So there's a little bit of everything. Um, mm-hmm. I think residential is probably the most uh, represented, but uh, but really it's it's it was a way for us to say, okay, by doing this this survey and this study, we can dive deep one into the architects 
and why they were here and what they were doing and that kind of thing, but then using those resources that are still around um, Spokane, we can we can show people, you know, we can teach them about mid-century stuff. Um, we can show them where things are in Spokane, and so it's a map. It, it's a map-based website that um, is clickable, and then you can go to the actual resource, and it's got a lot more information on each of the properties that's there. And then it also has our um, the context report for the Spokane Modern Movement that we that we did, which I think is. It's such a great read, and I, I, TJ, I'm sure you've looked at it, but if, if yeah. people are interested in kind of just regionally what was happening in the mid-century, um, it's got a really great context that probably works for a lot of other communities too, you know, the war and, um, you know, the, the people coming back and having this, these buildings um, that, that were being built after the war and everybody needed housing and materials that had been really scarce were, were available again, but there were new materials and, and architects were thinking about buildings in a totally different way. So I think that that context uh, report which you'll see um, right on the first page is really worth a look and right. it's really readable and I think it's it, it gives materials that were used in um, mid-century buildings. It gives you know architectural styles. It talks about our architects, but it also kind of gives some really general stuff that I think could be relevant for a lot of other communities. For sure, and and I think what I'm a little bit interested in exploring here is great finished product it shows well it's really great to interact with it's a great place to learn more about the very specific structures that are defined by that era in your local community but how did that all come to be sure well i think really how it started was um we had a an exhibit actually at the northwest museum of arts and culture which is our, our regional um museum here in spokane and um, they did a Spokane Modern, I think it was called SPOMA, and it was done in 2013. And the museum teamed up with this exhibit design company called Helvetica, and they created this really amazing, I think it was up for six months or nine months, um, display about our mid-century movement in Spokane and the architects and everything else. So, so that was kind of that seed that got planted in Spokane you know, in 2013, and I started this job in 2014, and every year we, um, we ask the state for grant money, um, where, you know, our historic preservation program is recognized by the state um, as what's called a certified local government. I'm not going to get in the weeds with that, but it means that we get the opportunity to ask for grants from the state every year. I'm sure right. Idaho has the same thing. And uh, so the, the gal who had really spearheaded that um, exhibit at the museum had lunch with me one day and said, Megan, I think that we should ask for a grant, or you should ask for a grant for a mid-century survey in Spokane. We need to do it. We've got to start thinking about these resources. We've got to get ahead of the game so that we know when things are threatened. You know, otherwise, we don't even know what's out there. And so this is a great first step. And so I said, you know, I like that idea. Let's do it. So we put together a grant application and uh, ended up getting funding for it. And I think we got about... I want to say we got $15,000, and then we had, um, from the city, we added another $5,000. So I think it ended up being, we did give the, the consultants a little bonus because they did a great job, um, of $22,000. For everything you wow. see on our, our website, our report, um, all those inventory forms, 
all of that was done for $22,000. So that's that kind of can give you a little bit of hope that yeah. it doesn't cost $100,000 to do this. Um, right. And we ended up hiring that exhibit company, which sounds really weird in historic preservation circles. <laughs> they teamed up with a, um, a wonderful architectural historian who really specializes in the modern movement. Her name is Diana Painter. And okay. so anyway, so Painter Preservation and Helvetica worked together on the project. Um, Helvetica did the website, and they, they did other things that were really key to this project that maybe we'll talk about a little bit more in terms of social media presence and some other things that were mm -hmm. I thought were really inventive and innovative um, that kept people engaged in the project throughout the entire year that it was being done. But yeah. that was really that's really how we ended up with such a slick looking product and you know a copywriter who's actually doing the writing and that's why the report reads so well um, you know along with painter preservation but um, it, it just that's it was just such a unique opportunity to be able to engage with this company who really got inspired and loved the mid century movement in Spokane. Right. And wanted to take that to the next level, and so we were we were just the lucky um, recipients of that work. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, what about um, the uh, the ongoing work to this project? Is this like a set it and forget it kind of thing? You know, or it's, it's, is, is there things that are still happening with the project, and it will continue to be added to? I think it's um I think it's a couple things. I think it is something that we're going to be adding to um we you know you, you kind of move on and you get busy with other things but it was always the intent uh intention to add all of our other uh inventoried or listed properties onto that uh website which we we did a little bit and we're ready to do others but um, one of the things that we said about the, that particular survey was we didn't want to have any buildings that were already on our local register or had already been inventoried. We didn't want to revisit things that were already already done. Uh, so all, that okay. was part of what we were trying to do is do new things. So so yeah. we do have you know in our back pocket we have several several properties that are from the mid century that are on our our Spokane Register of Historic Places already, and we just uh -huh. need to add those to the to the website. Um, You'll notice uh, that there is one color image on our our um, on the website, and that's only because that's only because that was one that we added later. And uh, I will tell you that Helvetica is so invested in that website that they came back later and said, "Hey, Megan, here's here's a picture. I think it's of the Ferris House. Here's a picture of the Ferris House in black and white. If you wouldn't mind changing this to um, <laughs> you know to the black and white, because I'm sure that they're looking at it like this glaring. Why is there a color picture on there? Um, yeah. So we do have control of the website. It is our website now, and so we can go in and and add things. Yeah. Um, the other, I think ongoing response to it is that um, we have had a couple additional buildings listed that were part of this inventory, which is really cool. Um, mm -hmm. And that is the first place when I get a call about a mid-century resource, I go there, did we inventory this? Is this one of the ones we already know a little bit more about? Or um, let me find out a little bit, you know, what I know about that architect, um, you know, so I can go yeah. into that um, that that resource and be able to quickly identify you know more about the architect i just had a call from a woman in california literally yesterday who was looking for more information about pretty obscure mid-century architect he actually did a lot of stuff in spokane but he wasn't one of our kind of upper tier um, architects yeah. 
but she he designed her 1938 house in in California that they were trying to list on the National Register and so she was looking for more information and I did find him in our our report but not much um yeah. I gave her a lot of other information but it was a good place to start so it is completely a living working document that gets used all the time right yeah, yeah that's cool yeah and um in the process of building all of this did you face any challenges you know, I think our biggest challenge, honestly, was just trying to figure out what are these 52 properties that we're going to be inventorying because the the, the plan for this, which I thought I, I mentioned earlier that there were some innovative things that we did in terms of social media, and one of them was um, we, we featured a mid-century a week um, on our Facebook page, which is um, for your listeners if they want to follow Steph in Spokane, it's uh, it's Spokane Historic Landmarks on Facebook, and okay. you know we do all kinds of different things on there. We don't post a ton, but we when we do, it's it's valuable. Um, that's what we yeah. try to say. Is we're not going to bombard <laughs> you with things on on Facebook. Um, right. But so so the cool thing about this is in historic preservation, um, a lot of times you do these inventories, and you know. You, you hire a consultant, maybe you have an initial public meeting where you talk to people and tell them, hey, we're going to be out in your neighborhood surveying. Um, is there anything we should know? And then they don't hear from you again for a year. And at the end uh -huh. of that year, maybe there's another public you know, workshop that maybe 20 people attend. And, and then that, that work just sits on a shelf. Um, yeah. So the innovative part of this particular project was that um, the consultant said, we're going to use your social media presence, and we're going to do a mid-century a week. So every Thursday afternoon, right around 3 o'clock, um, I would post whatever building we were adding to the website. So literally mm -hmm. we were building the website in front of everybody with the resources that Diana Painter, as the historic preservation uh, consultant, that she, she was doing an inventory page for them. They were getting added to the website, and then we would do a really cool slick picture and a tiny bit of information about this particular, um, this week's um, highlighted building. So it engaged yeah. people from day one on the project. It kept everybody on schedule. You know, everyone was on deadline every week. And so by the end of the year, you know, I had people sending me emails saying, um, we loved every Thursday. We would look forward. What's going to be the mid-century property that's highlighted right. this week? So, yeah. and I think it by doing that, um, we, you know, obviously we were we were preaching to the choir of people who already were engaged in <laughs> mid-century stuff and loved it already. But we right. really reached a whole audience of people that, you know, thought, oh, it's historic landmarks in Spokane. That's you know, big old mansions, and we love that stuff. Who started thinking, oh wow, the Shadle Water Tower is. Yeah. That would be considered architecture, and I mean, we would reach thousands of people every week. You right, know, as, right. a, as an administrator of that Facebook page, I would see it. So, so that was, you know, I would say the challenge. I just gave you a whole other answer, but the mm -hmm. challenge of it was calling it down to those 52 pro properties. Um, right. And we we actually had a group of, you know, we had some architects and we had historic preservationists and we had historians in the area that each took home a list of about three or 400 properties and everybody came up with our top 50 and there were probably the top 30 were really 
pretty uniform, and then yeah. after that we had to fight over what was going to be the bottom 20. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. So, but other than that, uh, it was kind of different because it wasn't, it wasn't like a neighborhood survey, so we didn't really have, you know, people coming out saying, why are you taking a picture of my house? It was, you know, it was they were sprinkled throughout the entire city, so it was yeah. a little bit different that way, and there wasn't a whole lot of investment coming from the city, so I think a lot of people really didn't know much about it except for mm-hmm. the fact that we were doing this mid-century project, but um, – we didn't right. really, we didn't get any pushback or anything like that. Yeah, and of the 52, you didn't actually get to go inside very many of these throughout the course of this project, correct? No, and you know I really yeah. didn't uh, because we had hired a consultant. You know, it was it, some of the public ones she would go into and, and be able to take some uh, modern photographs. But the yeah. beauty of hiring Helvetica to be kind of that design firm. They had um, they had such a vast uh, full, folder full of historic images that they had used for the exhibit that they owned, you know, the, at least the rights uh, to. Yeah. And so that's some of the cool stuff that you see, the black and white actual period pieces. Those were things Helvetica really let okay. us use. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. So of the 52, I know it's mm-hmm. hard, but do you have a favorite? Oh, my gosh. Well, there are so many cool ones. Um, but, you know, one of, the, one of the ones that I think is this weirdly hidden gem in Spokane is it's called the um, – it, oh, gosh, it's the Farmer's um, – now I'm going to forget what it's called – Farmer's Bank. Um, let me see. What is it? Oh, huh. Um I have a favorite house that I really like. It was not part of the survey because it was already um it was already listed. I know. Okay, okay so so I'll first I'll do the the commercial one which is the 1969. Yeah. It's the Farm Credit Bank, which is yeah. this um it's it's this building that's sort of this hidden thing that you don't even really notice until somebody points it out to you in downtown Spokane. Mm-hmm. But it's this semi-brutalist um it's got some concrete parts it's got glass but it's really like this inverted pyramid of glass inside this concrete superstructure so that one is super cool that one was um designed by uh walker and mcgoff which was one of our sort of illustrious firms here in spokane but the the house that i really love is the one that's in color (laughs) on the website and it's it's the joel (laughs) the joel e ferris house and it's um, that one was also designed by Bruce Walker, and um, it's just this really pristine house that had been in only one family until it was just recently sold in maybe within the last 10 years or so. Um, but it had it had some additions, but Walker actually did the additions to it, but it also happens okay. to sit on an acre of land um, yeah. that was designed by a preeminent landscape architect, uh, Lawrence Halpern, and so this sort of outside inside everything sort of comes into play the low horizontal lines it's you know one story it's very functional private space public space separated it's and i got to go in at once which was really cool oh, so did you? i so i just really oh, love cool. that house yeah, yeah it's really amazing um but yeah so I've that's been to, that, that's I've my favorite. i've been to the front door and knocked on it Does that have count? you <laughs> I won't tell you it, who, but somebody semi-famous in Spokane lives there now. So yeah, I actually out, so. I actually know who it is. So okay, we will, yeah. We will save I, that for, you know, we won't, not, we won't not say that. That's public right. knowledge. That's exactly right. But I can't wait until they ask to do something and they have to come in for design review. So that's, yeah, my, exactly. that's my, yeah. my hidden my hidden hidden ulterior motive there. But yeah, it's a great exactly. house. 
Yeah. I would agree. It's it's definitely one of my favorites up there as well. It's a cool yeah. cool place. Yeah. So, a um, couple more questions for you. Sure. Um, tell us a little bit more about Spokane. What are some of the most marketable aspects to your city? What do most people love about it? Oh my gosh, um, Spokane is. This is it's a timely question because um, one of the things that. Uh, that I have found myself doing for this kid that left in the 80s that couldn't wait to get out of Spokane is mm-hmm. that I cannot sing the praises enough of Spokane. I actually have some friends that have, have lived in Denver for the last 10 years. I knew them in Seattle. They left Seattle, went to Austin, Texas, then went to Denver, and are looking for the next place that they want to live. And they are yeah. thinking Spokane's checking off a lot of their boxes. And I'm in yep. some ways I'm like, hmm, you guys seem to p- hit these places and then they blow up and then you have to get out of them. So I'm not sure if we want you here. But um, so I've been I've been you know acting as visit Spokane and our you know local booster club here just just recently. So one of the things that I kind of jotted myself a note and I our, our theme of our community was for a long time near nature near perfect. Um, mm-hmm. Now it's called Creative by Nature, which I think is a good one, too. But, I mean, we have the most amazing parks, uh, park system in Spokane, uh, you know, which is really the crowning jewel is right there in Riverfront Park where we have this beautiful river and falls that are right in the middle of our downtown. And mm-hmm. um, you can actually get on a, and do a river rafting uh, tour of the river, like literally within a mile of the very heart of downtown Spokane and feel like you're in the middle of the forest. It's it's amazing. Yeah. And so um, that river is a joy to have as, as a really central fig, fig, uh, feature in our community. We have beautiful mm-hmm. historic neighborhoods. We've got this vibrant and thriving downtown that just continues to grow and add more housing units. A lot of our old buildings, um, not really necessarily mid-century, but our old buildings are um, starting to turn away from office buildings and turning into apartments, condos. Even we have a four-story building right now that's being converted into like an Airbnb so it's mm-hmm. really funny because its historic use was as a single-room occupancy hotel, you know, for transient people that were moving in and out of the community. Well, yeah. they're bringing it back. It's been offices yeah, yeah. for years, and they're bringing it back That's to funny. almost like this modern-day SRO. Um, yeah. We have, you know, we've got a great arts and culture um we have the Spokane Symphony, which performs at the historic Fox Theater, which is this super cool deco 30s um, theater that was rehabbed by the symphony, almost demolished and saved, and it's such a beautiful place. Um, our airport is like 10 minutes from our downtown, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Um, yeah. You know, we, we have traffic about twice a day. Um, people can still afford um houses in Spokane. Although, you know, the housing market is tightening right now. There's not a lot on the on the market, so it's it's quite competitive to, to buy mm-hmm. things now, but you can still buy properties that start in the one hundred, you know, range, wow. which is crazy. Like I mean yeah. that doesn't happen anywhere else. Um right. so if you're willing to, to move into a transitional neighborhood we've got we've got those properties. And some of those right. are our you know, our north side communities that were our mid-century ranch-style houses that, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of them are people that have lived there for 50 years, and so they are still intact. (laughs) And you have a a small little ski resort not too far away. Oh, my gosh. I think there's something like six ski resorts within two hours. So, yeah, we've got Mount Spokane. But Mount Spokane is how far away? Mount Spokane is like a 40-minute drive. 
Um, right. Then we have 49 degrees north, which is like an hour north. I mean, it's yep. we have tons of ski resorts, yeah. lakes, all of that stuff. We've got it all. Want to know what one of my favorite downtown features is of your city? What? Tell me. All this, all the sky bridge infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that because you know, it does get cold still, there, and in the middle of winter, it's really nice to yep. walk through the sky bridge instead of outside. <laughs> it's true, and that was actually a feature that kind of came into Spokane right about the time that we were the smallest city to ever host a World's Fair, TJ. Yeah, back yeah, in what was, year? That was in 1974, so... Yeah. Um, ironically enough, it was the first environmentally themed World's Fair, and where it ha- where it actually happened was literally where our Riverfront Park is now. But at that time, it was filled with railroad depots, crisscrossing lines of railroad track, horrible, you know, like laundries and industrial waste just going into the river. It was being used as basically the toilet of the community. And it's so interesting that there was that foresight by folks in Spokane who said, you know, our our downtown is really dying on the vine, and if we don't do something, and something big, we're gonna we're gonna lose this community. Mm -hmm. And so they they literally got together, and a lot of the people that that were part of of bringing that expo, which was like never gonna happen. Everybody said that this is never gonna happen, and it did. Um, yeah. But it were our our mid century our architects and our urban planners that were working at the time and um, right. really got involved in that. And so you know basically Expo came, um, but but there was a big push for we got to make Spokane look good. And so one of the things that happened was the parkade parking structure was built in the in the sixties, and that was where our first skywalks. And the intent was to have this second floor mall where you could stay off of the sidewalks and you could mm-hmm. be in buildings. And so. So, yeah, we still we still require that you have to conti- you know continue to have that um, that access. We have some buildings that have been rehabbed um, recently. One was our old um, Bon Marche, huge department store building that was Macy's, and then Macy's left our downtown, and now it's um, housing, and we have a Nike superstore in the in the you know main level, and a, I think some sort of a Putt Putt Golf Restaurant is coming <laughs> coming on okay. the other side of it, but yeah. but one of the things that they had to do is maintain that Skywalk system through that second floor of the building. So right. it's, a, it's a great legacy that we have from yeah. Expo. Yeah. Yeah, and don't forget, you are the city that hosts the largest three-on-three basketball tournament, correct? Oh yeah, Hoop Fest, um, lar- <laughs> planet's largest three-on-three, um, yeah. and we also we also our illustrious claim to fame is. Um, Bloomsday, which was the lar- is the largest timed uh, running race in the country. It's a it's a 12k, and they I think that they used to get about almost 50 or between 50 and 60 thousand people. I think it's in the 40s now, but it's still a huge race. Yeah, we do that wow. during our our May lilac celebration. That's you know mm-hmm. Spokane is the lilac city, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We also founded Fa- Father's Day here in Spokane. You might not know that. Say that one more time. The the founder of the first Father's Day in the country was was um, celebrated right here in Spokane in 1910. I had yes. no idea. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> all kinds That's of really cool things. <laughs> Very cool. So tell me, what is next for Spokane? Boy, I would say I think that you know probably one of the biggest challenges and opportunities that we have in Spokane is, is growth and managing growth. Um, I think that that's going to be 
you know, the fact that the city is actively marketing itself um, in Western Washington and, and Western uh, Oregon is really it'll – be, it'll be good for Spokane. It's going to bring in uh, better jobs, better industry, and things like that. But at the same time, you know, we have to think about what does that do to our historic neighborhoods? What does it do to our close-in historic neighborhoods that are, that right. are zoned – you know, high density residential, and can they handle any more density? And mm-hmm. so, there's a lot of, of of thought toward how how we're going to combat growth, not combat it, but but do it in a way that it doesn't destroy Thoughtful. the sense of place. Yeah, that, yeah, that Spokane sure. has. So, yeah, as I'm sure um, you understand in Boise, talk about growth. Oh you know? boy. Yeah. Do we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one final question that is mm-hmm. some, kind of a topic I've got to come back to that I skipped over. Um, and then we'll we'll bring this call to a close. Tell me the top two or three um, kind of well, best well-known architects of that modernist era. Sure. I was wondering if you were going to ask me. I made all kinds of notes about that, and then you skipped <laughs> over it. Um, well, I think one that's got a great connection to um, Boise, actually, too, is is Kenneth Brooks, and he. Um, he is somebody who came to Spokane. He didn't grow up here or anything, but he came to Spokane in the late 40s. He actually had worked for Skidmore Owens and Merrill in New York City and got his graduate degree in architecture from the University of Illinois. And he built or he designed in, in conjunction with a couple other of our, of our more well-known architects, um, Walker being one who did our, our favorite Joel Ferris um, house. Um, mm-hmm. He designed the Washington Water Power Building, which was really the first aluminum curtain wall um, building in Spokane. It um, it was like our gateway building to the modern movement in Spokane. I think it was designed. I can't remember exactly when it was designed, but um, but he also designed something in Boise that was the Intermountain, um, the headquarters for the Intermountain Gas Company. Oh, I had no idea there was a connection yeah. there. That's very cool. Yeah. So that okay. is the only building in Idaho that is a non-residential project that um, earned a national award of merit uh, from the okay. AIA. Um, so anyway, cool. so so Kenneth Brooks, super cool stuff. I, I kind of love Kenneth Brooks, too, because um, I got to go into his house that he designed, and his, his widow was still living there. It was when I worked for the State Preservation Office, and they were listing that his house on the National Register. And my favorite part of that is that, you know, a lot of times you don't get to still talk to the architects, but their widows are still around. You know, the women are are living a little longer. (laughs) Yeah, Edna Brooks is just this delightful woman. And she had, you know, that he built this house on like a premier street of 1910 Kirtland Cutter mansions, you know, big Tudor-esque revival sort of mansions and everything. And then they plop in this really simple little um, interior courtyard, mid-century modern house that they proceeded to live in for the next 50-some years. And it is just such a wonderful um, house. And the owner of of this really cool little store in Spokane called Boo Radley's and Atticus Coffee, he bought mm-hmm. that house, and and he and his wife love that mid-century aesthetic. So it's a perfect marriage of that's you know cool. them living there now. So that that's one of yeah. my favorites. Um, I'd say another one that's really cool, and and something to tell you about um, some architects that came to Spokane is that 
Walter Gropius, you know, who founded the Bauhaus School in Germany and fled Germany, you know, the wars and persecution and all that stuff, came over to Harvard, and um, he actually trained three of our mid-century architects at um, at Harvard, who then came back to Spokane, which is just I wow. think is really unbelievable. Yeah, that we had yeah. these Gropius-trained architects, and and that was Bruce Walker was one of those. So now you've heard, yeah. now you guys know too much about Bruce Walker. Um, yeah. Another was a guy with another super cool name, Royal McClure was his name. Okay. The Royal, um, he uh, and then the third was Bill Trogdon, and I, I guess I'll tell you a little bit about Bill Trogdon. So he and his wife Dorothy. Um, she was also a Harvard-trained architect, but back in the 50s, women really weren't architects. Mm-hmm. They were interior designers. So even though she yeah. had this Harvard architecture degree, she really focused more on interiors in Spokane. And um, so Bill Trogdon, some things that people might recognize, he worked with another architect named Warren Heilman uh, to design our um, Spokane International Airport. So the old part of the airport, the cool sort of swanky mid-century feel, that was Bill Trogdon. Um, So, yeah, people might recognize that one. But his house right now is for sale um, in Spokane. So if you're looking for, yeah, the Trogdon house. If if you're looking for a house, it's still for sale. I I can't believe it hasn't sold yet. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. Yeah, so that that's that's Bill Trogdon. And then um the final one that I'll mention is a guy named Moritz Kundig. And Thank Moritz, you. Oh good, oh good. So Moritz <laughs> I was is, waiting. <laughs> okay, so he he was our um he came over he was trained in Switzerland. Um really uh interesting guy. He's still alive. Um Moritz helped uh he he designed things like the Spokane Civic Theater. He uh was instrumental. I think he was part of the team that built the Washington State uh pavilion for that Expo 74, which is now uh, like an opera house performing arts center in downtown Spokane. Um mm-hmm. and but the my favorite story about Moritz um is that we listed a house that was built in 1962 called the Walmart House, which is actually out in the out in the county. And um you know, it was designed by Moritz Kundig, um, and the nice thing about being having controlling the local register is that you don't have to worry about the architect being dead. You know, the National mm-hmm. Register, they don't like to list anything if the architect's still alive, which I think is really rude. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They really, they really have a hard time. It's very limited yeah. that they would ever list anything. So, um Anyway, as we went out on the site visit, because that's the cool things that we get to do when we're listing properties, mm-hmm. Moritz Kundig joined us on our yeah. site visit, which never, ever happens. But it was so yeah. cool to watch him walk around and look at this house. He probably hadn't been back since 1962 when he was yeah. doing, you know, the final punch list. But it was that was a really special thing. And uh, was the, This was the one that was like all single level, walls of glass and on yep. the river? Yep, exactly. Yeah. That yeah, was for that sale not too really long cool. ago. Yeah, 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 super cool, super cool. So he's got his his hand is in lots of different things. So if you're interested in in uh, looking up Moritz's stuff, he his I think there's a couple that we did on the survey. Um, yeah. But his son is Tom Kundig of um, Olsen, Olsen Kundig. Kundig. Yeah, and Seattle. so he's you know internationally yeah. known architecture firm. Right. Um, but yeah. tra- you know, brought up right here in Little Old Spokane. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Yeah. Hey, we uh, do have a Neutra were... house too. We have one. Oh yeah, that, obviously that's that's definitely worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, he actually helped build. Uh, he actually helped build the Mountain Home Air Force Base residential uh, project, just about I don't know thirty five forty minutes away 
Um, I actually saw um, uh, Dia Neutra in um, Palm Springs during Lost Modernism Week at the latest Neutra documentary that was um, kind of the world premiere of this latest film. And when I met him and, and said hi, he asked me about it. Hey, uh, how's that Mountain Home Air Force Base project? Oh, my gosh. Here? How cool. Uh, good, good, thing, good thing that I didn't know the answer at the time because oh, all of it no. destroyed. <laughs> I bet you remedied that situation very, very quickly. Oh, uh, I, I had no idea what the answer was. And then, you know, oh. coming back, I did my research to know that, oh, no, none of it's there anymore. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. That, so, that's, and that really isn't a very comfortable answer to give somebody anyway. No, so yes. no, no. Not at all. So. Yeah. Well, hey, I know you were uh, nervous for this call and, you know, not quite sure what to expect it, but I'd say you slayed this. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm so glad, TJ. I enjoyed it. I I yeah. am a, a newer recruit to the mid-century movement in terms of yeah. my love and, uh, you know, so I, but I, I'm all in. Yeah, very cool. Well, uh, very, very appreciative of all the work that you and your city have done to uh, bring better awareness and, and knowledge to the wonderful structures that we all obsess about on a daily basis. Yeah. And, uh, and thanks again for taking some time out of your day for this call. Really appreciate it. Sure thing. Have your, have your listeners come on up to Spokane. Give them a tour. Absolutely. Now. Yeah, <laughs> okay. we'll do. Very Take cool. Care, all right. Well, Hey, have a good rest of your day. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast till next time on next up. Mm-hmm.